Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 52, produced 21 April 2018. One hundred and thirty-one years ago, the world was introduced to one of literature's most famous and most beloved characters, Sherlock Holmes. The super sleuth and champion of deductive reasoning was the creation of Scotsman Sir Arthur Conan Doyle when he was just a young man of 27. Born in Edinburgh of Irish Catholic parents, before his emergence as a writer, Doyle studied medicine at the University of Edinburgh where one of his professors, Dr. Joseph Bell, is said to have inspired his most famous character. Today, a descendant of Sir Arthur has added a new element to the image we all know as Holmes, with the creation of the Sherlock Holmes Tartan. I'm Glenn Moyer, and in a moment we'll meet and chat with Tanya Henzel, the great-great-step-granddaughter of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, here under the Tartan Sky. 2018 in Scotland is going to be braw. The stage is set and the curtain has gone up on Scotland's Year of Young People. It's 12 months of events intended to inspire all of Scotland while allowing its young people to shine and showcase their diverse talents and contributions to their communities, their country and the world. Whether you're young or just young at heart, why not visit and see all that Scotland and its young people have to offer in 2018, the Year of Young People. When it comes to literature, the mystery, or in slang terms, the whodunit, is a vastly popular art form. And every whodunit has to have its detective. Whether policeman or layman, the detective is the one who pieces together the clues into a picture puzzle of clarity, and thereby solves the mystery, and tells us, in the end, well, who done it? There is no shortage of great literary detectives, both historical and present day. Among them, characters like Philip Marlowe, Sam Spade, Inspector Morse, John Rebus, Father Brown, Miss Marple, Hercule Poirot, V.I. Wachowski, Perry Mason, and another, whom I've only recently discovered through a serialization on TV, the French detective Jules Maigret. But there can be little doubt that the super sleuth of all, the one who is truly without equal, is Sherlock Holmes. Though he was not the first fictional detective, he is arguably the best known. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories of Holmes' adventures, most often narrated by his endearing sidekick Dr. Watson, eventually reached into four novels and 56 short stories, not including countless adaptations and original works by others. Guinness World Records list Holmes as the most portrayed movie character in history, with more than 40 actors seen in the role on film perhaps most notable among them, Basil Rathbone. Adding portrayals in television series brings another 30 names to bear, like Peter Cushing, Peter Lawford, Jeremy Brett, Boris Karloff, and of course, Benedict Cumberbatch. And if you want to take in radio, stage, and one-off television programs, well, the total number grows to well over 100 actors who've brought the character of Sherlock Holmes to life. 
Today, the image of Holmes has been brought to life in a new manner by a descendant of his creator, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Tanya Henzel, currently of Edinburgh, has recently released the Sherlock Holmes Tartan and an expanding line of gentlemen's and ladies' clothing and accessories. The design is a tribute to both Holmes and Doyle, the primary green and blue colors representing Doyle's Irish and Scottish roots, another blue and brown strike-through symbolizing Reichenbach Falls, where Holmes famously encounters Professor Moriarty, and a single yellow strike-through representing Holmes' clarity of thought, his penchant for deductive reasoning. To learn more about this new tartan, I sought out and was honored to chat with Tanya Henzel, and I first asked what it was like to go through life with such a famous ancestor, and when did she first become aware of her ancestry? When I was probably in my mid to late teens, um, I used to spend a lot of time with his youngest daughter, Jean, um, who was married to my great-grandfather, and I used to stay with her in London, and she, I was very fond of her, and we used to go um, racing together, and she'd take me out for tea, um, and we'd have long conversations, and she was great fun. And it wasn't, that was really when I really noticed, um, because she had pictures of her father on the wall, and I would ask questions, and of course she's a great race goer, and there, there was a, a horse called Brigadier Gerard, who is named after one of his characters. In, in other books that he wrote. And that's really how I sort of got to know. But it, it wasn't, I suppose, it, and also I went to one of the first Sherlock Holmes films, the young Sherlock Holmes, um, and I went to the premiere of that in London, which I absolutely loved um, because there was a Prince Andrew was at the premiere and I had to be there and give him some flowers. Um, and so I suddenly realized who this man really was and what he'd done, and I sort of researched him more, even though I, w I didn't actually, or I haven't actually read many of his books, um, because I was more interested in the films. Um, so that's really how I got to know him. And but when I was young, and then I disappeared off to Hong Kong to go and live there, and I got married, and I just sort of forgot about it. And there wasn't much Sherlock Holmes around, but suddenly it's come back, and it sort of reawakened my knowledge. And because I'm living in Edinburgh, of course, this is where Sir Arthur was born, and there's a pub named after him, and there's the um, Sherlock Holmes Society, and all these different things which all come together. And because they've, they've been making more films, suddenly Sherlock is very, very popular all over again. And, and I just thought, wow, this is fantastic. And he's so, everyone knows Sherlock Holmes. And I thought, I've got to in a way, make him more aware up here in Scotland or make people more aware of him up in Scotland by designing a tartan. So I looked into what I thought what colours would be appropriate for that sort of time. So I thought I'd get a very sort of subtle um, blues and greens because green for the fact that Sir Arthur's ancestors were well, his ancestors are Irish, and he was actually born in Scotland, so that's why I put the the, green, uh, the blue in. But I added the the yellow line um, for his sort of ultimate deception or Sherlock's deception in cases, and for the the blue line, ice blue line for the Rackenbach Falls where he met Moriarty. So that's really the history of it all.
you've touched a bit on the, the answer to this question, and that is, as you say, the renewed popularity of Sherlock, I, I guess, probably thanks mostly to the, the Robert Downey Jr. films and, and certainly the, the new BBC offering with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Was that the primary reason that uh, the question is essentially why a tartan and why now? Why at this point in time, since Sherlock is a, an ages old character? Yes, he's an old man now. But the thing is that Sherlock is very popular, as is tartan. Everyone wants a piece of tartan to their name. If they, if they can get someone to design a new tartan, that's fantastic. They'll take it. So I thought, well, why not Sherlock? Because he would suit a tartan, I think. And also, the um, tartans are always being um, made and, and designed in whatever colors you can think of. And I, I think it's very difficult to have two tartans exactly the same because the colors are huge. There's a huge variety of colors to choose from. Well, and yes, and, and where they crisscross, depending on the colors you're using, they, they create different tones of the colors in that fashion. So um, yes, you, could say you, you could say you used a green and a blue, but there are goodness knows how many green and blue tartans out there, and yet none of them are the same. Uh, obviously, they can't be here. You can't get it registered. But as you say, you could say, well, it's a green and blue tartan, but there are lots of greens and blue tartans, and, and obviously, as you say, many, many different shades of greens and blue and where the colors interact as as they're woven into the tartan then they create you know all new tones uh, of themselves how did you you talked about the, the different colors and the reasons those are they are there um how did you get to work on the on the pattern i know you worked with with the house of edgar um, was there a reason that you selected to work with them or did you put the tartan together and then go to them for finalization? Give me a little more info on, on how that whole process, the design and thought process came about. Yes, well, I, I realized that um, I wanted a you know, very subtle um, gray, um, shade of, of green and blue. So I, first of all, I started on the Internet because you can design tartans on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And I was just picking colors and I was putting together and I was trying to work out how big a block I wanted, you know, bigger squares, whether big squares, small squares, and what colors went well together. Um, so I, I took along with me, um, I went up to House of Edgar because I was recommended to use them. I mean, I have um, done some work for them. I've made some um, tartan produce for them, but I know they're not... They're in Perth, which is about an hour away from Edinburgh. Um, and I know that they've done a lot of international tartans. And actually, they did the tartan for the um, Commonwealth Games oh. um, for the Scottish team. And I just thought, well, I'll go up to them and see what they can do. And they, we sat, I sat down with this um, woman, Siobhan, and she was great. She just gave me the colors. She put them on screen and I looked at them, and I was going, mm, uh, I'm not so sure. And then we changed the size, we changed the colors. And it, it, it took about an hour of doing this. And then she said, right, just go away, put it aside, forget about it for two days, and then come back to it. And you'll look at it and you'll say, right, I don't like this, or I want to change that, or that's, that's okay, but I want it slightly different. So I did that. So a couple of weeks after that, I went back up and I said, right, I want to change this, and I want to change that. So I spent another hour there, and she said the same thing, just go away and come back. 
So I went away and then I just thought, there's just one thing missing. And I went back to her and I said, try this. And she changed it. And I said, perfect. That's it. That's what I want. <laughs> so it was quite, a, it wasn't too lengthy, but I could have been, still be there now if I'd been too fussy. So I just had to say, yes, that's right. And actually she produced a very um, nice shade of blue. And I said, that's perfect. That's just what I was looking for. So it was, it wasn't that difficult. You just had to know what colors you were looking for. Yeah, it, it's um, you, you said earlier that you know everyone wants a bit of tartan, and, and I've had my own tartan designed and went through sort of a similar process. The designer that I used, um, we talk a great deal about you know influences and what colors I wanted and, and why and different things. Uh, and then she goes away and puts together a half a dozen designs and, and comes back to you with them. And, and I looked at those and, and, and I ruled out the ones I didn't like and I selected the ones I did like. And, and from there, it's really a tweaking process. And you're right, you can agonize, uh, you know, ad infinitum <laughs> at some point of saying, well, do I want this? And do I, do I want, yeah. in your case, is it two stripes of yellow or one stripe? Is it is it a broader blue or a, a narrower blue? I mean, yeah. you, you can and you could play with countless, countless, countless variations. At some point, you just have to say, yeah. I like that, this is it. And was that a hard decision to make when you finally had to just say, okay, that's it. That's the one I want. Well, I, I thought it was. And then, then I, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, have I done the right colors? Is it going to look <laughs> right? Is it going to be fine? And of course, when it turned up, you know, six weeks later, and I looked at it and I thought, <gasps> and then I thought, wait a minute. And I just thought, well, I can't change it now. Yeah. That's what it is. And then I thought, but funny enough, it did take a while to grow on me, but now I love it. Yeah. I think it's great, and I think it's a very warm tartan. Oh, I do too, and I, but, I think it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that, because I, I had said somewhat the same reaction with mine. I, I loved it initially, and then I kind of went, oh, wait, did I make a mistake? Maybe one of the, and I went back and looked at some of the earlier designs and thought, oh, maybe I should have done, and, but the more I look at it, you know, the more I love it, and, and I think it's distinctly me, and, and I think that's true of of the tartan that you've created. Um, you have a background I was reading in fashion design. Was that an aid mm -hmm. or a hindrance as you went through this process? Oh, it was an aid. It was definitely an aid because um, I know, you know, all the, um, how tartan is designed and how, you know, you can have, I think it's quite nice how you can have sort of colors edged, um, in another color or the same or slightly different color or shade, but it, it really helps. So you know what you're looking for and then you know how, well, cause I knew what the girl was talking about when she was advising me mm -hmm. and also to have, um, a very thin yellow line. She says, yellow is a lovely color, but don't make it too big. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also with the Brown. So she was, she was very helpful in, in that respect. And also if I was going to be making, kilts from it she says it needs to be a six inch set right um so she says that well that that's what it is that's what it, you've done so it'd be much easier to make kilts from it so it, it, it has helped and speaking of kilts you have uh, very quickly released quite a line of both gentlemen's and ladies clothing there's obviously kilts and ties and cummerbunds and dresses and skirts and, and even shoes but a couple of items that are very distinctly i would say uh, Sherlockian or Holmesian, and and that of course the deerstalker cap and the Inverness cape. Uh, was mm. it was it important that those items be included in the clothing line? Well, funny enough, I I mean yes, definitely the deerstalker, and I've had 
such problems in finding someone who can actually make a nice, deer, a, a good-looking deer stalker, if this I mean. Um, and actually, I found her, and she's making lots for me, which is great. Um, but I thought, yes, if I'm going to have any um, press releases, I've got to have the deer stalker and the cape. But even the cape was difficult to find as well. But luckily, again, I found him. And I think see, there aren't many people who make make nice big capes like that because it takes a lot of uh, material and quite a bit of time. But luckily, I, I got him at the beginning of this year and he wasn't so busy. So he didn't take too long to make one. But he made it beautifully. But of course, my son who modeled it is six foot eight. Wow. So it had to be a lot bigger than the usual size. <laughs> <laughs> That's like two capes in one almost. <laughs> it is. And it, I, it absolutely, I mean, it looked great on him, but I, don't, I just can't see him wearing it that often. <laughs> <laughs> As you mentioned, you haven't read that many of uh, Sir Arthur's books, and I have to admit, neither have I. I'm a huge film fan. I don't know that I've ever read actually any, any of his books, but I've seen many, many, many of the films and certainly the TV vari- variations. Certainly the Deerstalker I'm aware of, but it was the cape, a sort of period piece that has become identified with the character Sherlock? Well, it has, and it's really through um, Basil Rathbone. Yes. Because when he came, started playing Sherlock, he's the one who put in the Deerstalker and the Inverness cape. Um, because before that, I mean, Sherlock would, would probably just wear a flat cap and a jacket and trousers. So, but I, I don't know why Basil Rathbone wore that, wore the Deerstalker. But I think it's, you know... He's, he's done. He's done it good. Yes, it, it has sort of become a quintessential uh, signature, if you will, of, uh, of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me that you've chosen in choosing the colors. You've emphasized, as you say, basically Sir Arthur's roots, his Scottish and, and Irish roots, and yet Sherlock is is a London character. He plied his trade in London. He's often referred to as England's greatest detective. Was there any inner conflict about uh, the tartan being such a Scottish thing, especially today in today's society? Tartan is almost solely identified with uh, Scotland, and um, and yet Sherlock being. Uh, so quintessentially English. English, yes. Well, I, I just thought it doesn't really matter that he's English. I know, yes, tartan. Everyone thinks that you know tartan is from for people who live in Scotland or are from Scotland or got. But then, if they have some ancestry from Scotland, and I was thinking more along those lines. But also, you know, everyone likes to wear a bit of tartan. I mean, like all over America, there's loads of tartans being worn and yes they they probably have some link with scotland somewhere along the line um but so does sherlock i mean you know his creator is was born in scotland Mm -hmm. so why not and also it's i think he looked he would look great (laughs) if he was around (laughs) today and he'd be dressed up like my son all dressed up you know he looks fantastic yeah, and, and we'll certainly, uh, w- with your permission, of course, put a couple of those pictures onto our show notes on our website uh, for people who haven't yep. seen it. Um, and I didn't realize until now that was your son or that he was six feet eight. Uh, but he's a striking-looking young man with the uh, uh, wearing the cape and the deerstalker. So I, I guess my next question then is, is, is that you in the picture with him? Who is the female model? Yes, 
Okay. That's me. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure I was I was clear on that. Um, you talked about it would be fun to see Sherlock dressed up in the tartan today, and I guess that that brings to mind the Robert Downey Jr. films. I think there's a new film in the works, if I if I remember reading correctly. Certainly, Benedict Cumberbatch has brought the character to life now. Uh, there's the CBS series uh, Elementary, and and so on and so on. Are there talks about having those characters seeing the Sherlock Holmes tartan uh, making its appearance uh, on film and screen? Well, I would very much like somebody to wear some tartan in the film. Um, I think I'm, I know the Conan Doyle estate are definitely pushing it so that it may happen. I mean, if not um, Robert Downey Jr., it may be a stunt double or something like that. Um, but I'm, it's, I mean, the, it's just being written at the moment, so the, the filming will probably start next year. But, yes, we're trying every which way we can to get something in. And also, there's a, a film coming out this year um, called Holmes and Watson, and it's got Will Farrell in it. And that's more of a comedy. Uh-huh. And that comes out at the end of, no, oh no um, in November sometime. And I would really like... Um, the actors who are mostly British, like well, there's Ralph Fiennes, there's Rob Brydon, there's Kelly MacDonald, um, Hugh Laurie, and I'd really like it if they could wear some some tartan, some sort of a tie or a scarf at the premiere, which is in August. That would be great. Ah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. You've mentioned already Basil Rathbone. We've talked about um, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, among the the better-known names probably that have uh, played Holmes on uh, the big and small screens. I personally am a fan of Basil Rathbone. I, I grew up... Yeah, so am I. <laughs> not, not in the age when, when, uh, when he was actually doing the films. Those date from the late 30s through the 40s. Uh, but I yeah. can remember vividly living in Texas in the 70s and a local TV station every Saturday night at 10.30 after the local news, uh, they played one of the, uh, the Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes movies. And if I wasn't out on a Saturday night, then it was usually pizza, beer, and a Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes movie on the, the late night movie on, on uh, TV. So I was going to ask, but I think you just gave it away. Do you have a favorite, a favorite actor who you think best portrayed um, Sherlock? Yes, I think, yes, definitely Basil Rathbone. He, he's, I like him a lot. I think he, he was just he was just so cool and he just was just there. He was just the the right person at the right time. And I think yes, for the for the present day, I mean everyone would say yes, Benedict Cumberbatch, because I think Robert Downey Jr. probably puts the slight Hollywood edge on it, where it's all very fast action. But Basil Rathbone, I mean, he was. You know, all, most of the films are black and white, and and that's what I like about it. It just ages it a bit more, and it just looks right. Yeah, it just <laughs> it it makes it more of the period of when. Yeah. I mean, I, I can relate to to Sherlock being in the period of the Basil Rathbone movies. I like the Benedict Cumberbatch series, but putting it in present day, I don't relate to it as well. I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe it's because of when the character was originally you know, written and created. And I have to say, I, I am not a fan of the Robert Downey, uh, interpret, Robert Downey Jr. interpretation. Uh, the mo- those movies have just not caught on with me. Um, but there have been so no, many... They're, they're, I think it's for the younger 
I, yeah, I think so. Um, not that either of us wants to reveal our age, I suppose. No. Uh, <laughs> but but it's interesting how many other spinoffs there have been. I mean, I, I come across all the time movies about Sherlock that I I didn't know existed. And one I came across not too long ago, and now I can't remember the the actor who who played him, though he was a a well known British actor. But it was Sherlock as an older man and kind of doing a, a final case, but. Um, does the estate, do you, uh, as, as a descendant have any role in those, in, in that proliferation of Sherlock? Um, or do you have an official role within the estate and, and how, uh, the legacy of uh, Sir Arthur and the Sherlock Holmes character are, are carried on? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's not, not really anything to do with us. Okay. There's been a lot written and said about uh, the Outlander effect, the effect that those books and the now TV series have had on uh, Scotland, particularly in tourism. And there are fan clubs that have popped up all around the world. There are bloggers and podcasters and on and on and on. Outlander is is one of the hot things at the moment. And yet, if you think about it, and, and I was reading recently and researching for our chat, Sherlock was one of the first literary characters who really had a worldwide fan base. And, and I notice in a lot of your releases, you keep referring to Sherlockians, people mm-hmm. who are fans of, of Sherlock. And I think Holmesians are, is another title they use, like, like the Outlander folks use. Has the Tartan been well-received by uh, his worldwide legion of fans? What's the reaction been? Yes, they, they seem to like it. Yep. They, um, actually, I got one... Um um, Twitter um, feed today of somebody who'd found a, a picture of um, Sherlock in a well, a long coat which looked like a sort of a, a tried to be a tartan coat. It's probably more played, but it, and I I tweeted back saying yes, it's very similar to the present day tartan, and I got quite a few likes from that. But I think yes, on on the whole, and I think some people are probably a bit surprised that there has been a a Sherlock Holmes Tartan, but the ones, but most people seem to accept it and and think it's um, a lovely, very wearable Tartan. Where do you see, or, or how would you like to see this Tartan fit into the ongoing legacy of the character Sherlock Holmes, and of course uh, of Sir Arthur? Um, interesting. I think I would really like, um, you know, the Sh- Sherlockians, as I call them to really engage in the tartan and, and start wearing it and have it so that the, the tartan becomes probably as well known as Sherlock and so that um, it's really everyone wants a piece of the tartan, whether it be a small piece or a, a big piece um, or a, a, you know, a little bag or a tie or a pair of trues or a waistcoat. But just so that... And in time, I'd like to see a lot, you know, just more widespread to have things like, you know, tablecloths, bedspreads, bedspreads, um, bed, um, duvet covers, I'm trying to say, um, cushion covers, and, you know, just have it everywhere um, so that in the, <laughs> there'll be a piece of Sherlock in nearly every household. <laughs> Sherlock Tarson, that is. <laughs> a chicken in every pot, as a politician here would say, I suppose. Um, <laughs> do you think Basil Rathbone would have, were, you, were we in his time, do you think he would have embraced 
the Sherlock Holmes tartan and we would have seen it in his films? Um, I don't see why not. I think he would have... Probably in those times, it probably would have... You know, there weren't so many sort of bright colours around then. But he was the sort of man who would who'd do something different and lap up any sort of um, new creation that he found. So I don't see why not. Finally, then, what do you think um, Sir Arthur would think about it? Is this something that you think he would have made a part of uh, Sherlock were Tartan as popular perhaps in his day as it is now in ours? I'm sure he would have tried because I think he, he was a very well-known person and especially in America. And I think he would have loved it because he would have gone to give all his speeches, you know, wearing his Sherlock Holmes tartan in great pride. Um, and I, I think he would have enjoyed being the center of attention. Um, I mean, he, he was a fantastic man. He did so many different things and he was very well respected by a lot of people and a lot of um, politicians, um, people at the top. Um, so I'm sure he would have enjoyed wearing some Sherlock Holmes tartan. My thanks as always to my guest, Tanya Henzel the great-great step-granddaughter of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It should be noted that with his tartan, Holmes becomes the first literary character ever to have his own tartan, and it is officially registered with the Scottish Register of Tartans. If you'd like to see the tartan and explore a bit more about it, a link to the website is found in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. A reminder, the podcast can also be found on popular apps like Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Overcast. And I'm excited to say the podcast now has its own Instagram account, where we'll be sharing photos, news, audio clips, and more about the many guests and topics we explore here under the Tartan Sky. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Topolave, I guess Alpa Cabra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening.